your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle, Empire. Come on, motherfuckers, come on. That woo woo. Oh yeah, good feeling if you're a Purdue football fan for the first yeah, time and do some chug in it, quite chug a while. Chug it, chug it, chug it. Big time upward trajectory. Even given maybe a slightly disappointing record last year, I think you gotta put that aside given the way the program looks. Well, I mean, looks and really good. And you did get back to the bowl, so <laughs> screw the bowl. I think something that was way more important to Purdue fans was the Ohio State game. I'm sure that they would trade the. Yeah. Purdue, I'm sure that they would trade their trade, last several bowls for that one. I think you trade that. You trade a couple years of the bucket because yeah, that's a thing that you know it's it's always fun to be the team that dunks on Ohio State the last couple years. Ask Iowa fans. Did you know Iowa beat Ohio State 55 to 24? 55 to 24. People that forget correct? that. People wow. forget that. I forgot about that. I mean, I can't believe that Iowa beat. Ohio State, 55-24, to 24. and Urban Meyer was the coach? Uh, well, technically, I mean, he, he may have been having a headache. So, so Urban Meyer... I don't think it counts. But Urban Meyer's team... That is what the, that's Urban what the Meyer's say. team did lose to Iowa. His team did let him By down. a score of 55-24. to 24. People forget this. Well, so we're, 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 we're making Rump. sure yeah. that history doesn't slip through the cracks here on the Off Tackle Empire podcast. You're talking about big-time proof of concept last year in the Ohio State game. Um, you're talking, for the most part, miserable start. If you remember the way that those Missouri and Eastern Michigan games went, I mean, that's a couple games that sh- Purdue really could have had. Um, I don't even, Western. Well, game, yeah, yeah, they, as well. They blew that one as well. Right, and so with, frankly, a little bit better turnover luck. Wait a minute, it wasn't was, Missouri, was it? You're thinking of Boston College. Am I? Yeah, was Missouri the year before? Maybe Missouri was, they... they, they Beat the shit out of Missouri in Brown's first year, which was I thought they played again twenty seventeen. Maybe it was maybe it was Boston College because I know they played Boston College. I know they played Emu, and well, if you know they played Boston College, you're probably right. But I could have sworn yeah. they played Drew Locke last year too. But but so they played. They did play Missouri, and they lost 37-40. Did they also play Boston College last Yes, year? but they beat Boston College. Okay, so they... It was ranked okay. at the time. Yes, that's right. They lost those three games by a combined eight points. Right, all with, early in the season. And to come through that and show the resilience not to fold out season, but in fact to get better, is as impressive maybe as winning those games would have been. Actually, yeah. So, so I mean, if you... If you would you take a four-point loss to Northwestern, a one-point loss to Emu, and a three-point loss to Missouri if it meant that after that you beat ranked Boston College by 17, you win at Nebraska by 14, by 14, you um, you pound an emphatic nail into the coffin of Illinois as a program on their homecoming 46-7, and then you beat Ohio State by 29 at home. If that I... four-game streak there... Is about as impressive as any team in the country had. 
if I don't care about beating Illinois really badly, can I like lower the margin on that and get the Eastern Michigan win? Because well, that I mean, would if be. If you're a Purdue I, fan, okay, right. you got to have a little bit of righteous fury directed outward at the fact that your program was reduced to a pitiful shell of a laughing stock that people didn't even want to laugh at anymore it was in the late sad. Hazel era. So to, yeah, you can. So you got the chance to do that to another school. So that's got to feel good on some level. Yeah, and beyond the results on the field... Beat the colors out of our uniforms. <laughs> Look, sometimes you get a, a, an opponent just gives up the goal. Even though we played Soldier Boy Tellum every time Purdue had a third down, they still managed to put up 46 points. Incredible resilience and very, very tremendous discipline. I feel like this isn't about Purdue very much anymore. That's just a feeling. From a talent perspective, a lot to be optimistic about for Purdue because Big they time. are recruiting like a mid to upper tier conference team now. And given what Brom has done without that kind of talent, hard not to be extremely excited. Not only about this year, but next what year. What Brom did with Daryl Hazel's talent. Yeah. Uh, and now he's, what would you say about Mike Riley's talent? Um, I mean, once all the guys are his, I mean, the, the thing they're going to have this year is the upperclassmen are like the leftovers from Hazel slash the transitional class, which is always kind of a bumpy spot. But there's, the good thing is they've got experience at some spots that's really going to help them. So having Eli Sindelar back is going to be helpful. Even though, yeah, look, I get that last year he was supposed to be the starter from the beginning and he really played himself out of the job and let Blau take it. He was still Brahms' pick to be the guy from day one. And they found out already, I didn't think the NCAA usually made this kind of decision this early, but they gave him an additional year of eligibility because of his injuries. So Singular. Yeah, so he's got two years left. Oh. Um, so that's, I mean, you've got stability there. He's well, what's interesting was they had an open scholarship, but they did not take a look at Brandon Peters, um, possibly because he sucks, but also what I heard is that they wanted to prioritize <clears throat> offensive line depth. But sure. you would have figured that, that Brandon Peters had the skill set to... Do pretty well in that Purdue offense. Unless, of course, you know, a noted quarterback coach Jeff Brown's assessment is that he sucks. In which case, yeah, I don't see why any Big Ten team should take him. Well, that could be. But doesn't Peters also have multiple years left? He I does. I don't know that he years. would want to go to yeah, a program that is true. where he's staring Sindelar in the face, a guy who he knows Brown has picked as a starter before. That's That would be my take on it. But I don't know. You could take the pessimistic approach, too. Um, by the way, we didn't cover this because Illinois week had already happened. Brandon Peters, former Michigan quarterback, touched by the Harbaugh quarterback whispering hand, is now playing for your fighting Illini. Aren't it's you not just, official yet. But aren't you just chuffed? Well, we're just really hoping that he, you know, we haven't confirmed if he's going to take visits to Miami of Ohio and Bowling Green, but, oh boy, man, maybe we can beat out the dregs of the Mac for this dude. Hard to beat out um, Oxford? Is that where Miami is? Oxford, yes, and of course it's the bowling, uh, and of course the other Bowling Green, the Bowling Green where they don't make Corvettes, right? <laughs> so, you know, the chance to play in the Glass Bowl in a big rivalry game is hard to pass up. Anyway, so Purdue does have Sindelar back. That's obviously a nice problem. And in terms of other upperclassmen, they've got playmakers on every level of the defense. And Lorenzo Neal decided to come back. Marcus Bailey decided to come back. Um, they still have Navon Mosley at safety as well. So they've even though it's not a deep group of upperclassmen overall, the guys they do have are mostly impact players at important positions. And you know, they did, I mean, they did the most with their talent. That's what you're supposed to do as a coach. I mean, Jeff Brom is really proof that 
you know, contra contrary to what seems to be the conventional wisdom now, if you have a coach that's good at coaching football and takes over your program, you don't Suddenly really need to. Yeah, your players wait, can look you know, a lot better. You don't need to wait four years for everything that was at the school previously to, to go out before you can win anything. A good football coach can find ways to win with players that are already there. And Jeff Brom did that and then added much more talented players. So, I mean, the, you know, even with Purdue stock as high as it is, I'm still buying. Yeah, I mean, given that he passed on leaving for the Louisville job, which is his alma mater, you maybe feel optimistic as a Purdue fan that you're going to hang on to this guy beyond another well, year they or they put big-time money into him. They I mean, did. They put and, big boy money. And it's it's also fair to say that Louisville was a complete and total tire fire, like maybe worse than Purdue was when Hazel left, because I think as we kind of figured out in Brown's first year, there was some talent on those teams. Hazel just kind of mismanaged it. Um but yeah, so it's got it's you gotta be feeling pretty good if you're a Purdue fan, whether or not the results actually come this year. Because Rondale Moore is a sophomore, you've got two more years of Cindelar. He, he doesn't feel like a guy who's likely to go to the NFL. Really, I guess we'll kind of see. But given that he already explored getting the waiver, it seems to me like he plans to be there. I'll tell you what: if Cindelar goes to the NFL early, then you're as a Purdue fan, you're happy because if he's willing to do that, then he probably had a hell of a year. Right. Um, You've still got Tario Fuller in the backfield. You're going to miss having Markel Jones and DJ Knox, but it's not like either of them are really you know, game-changing running backs anyway. And in this way, with a narrowed rotation, you've got a feature guy that you, I would imagine is going to be the guy most days. Uh, and they have, they've got other options wide out at wideout as well. They still have Sparks, and they're bringing another highly touted guy, David Bell, out of Indianapolis, which... I think was a recruiting win against Ohio State for them. Now, granted, yeah. it's an in-state guy, but if the Buckeyes come calling, it's yeah, still... That's, you know, yeah, that, I'm going to say, like, as an Illinois fan, that doesn't mean anything to me. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, as, as far as Ohio State's concerned, kind of the whole footprint is in-state yeah. recruiting for them. The, the whole damn country is in-state for Ohio State. Yeah, so those are guys that you're going to see that you're going to see David Bell as an impact player right away, I would think. I guess we'll kind of see it, but there's plenty of... Uh, Plenty of playmaking. I think they still have Bryson Hopkins as two was. They do. Is, yes. Herd, is Herdman still on the roster or was he a senior? I think him and Hopkins were in the same class. So they may have both of those guys too. Not that they threw the tight ends all that much, but they're big, talented guys and useful to have. So lots of options on the offense. Um, and you talk about what they may lose on the. I mean, they, they lose some talent up front on the offense, but the skill yeah. position is still largely intact. But. At the same time, the, the offensive line could have an impact. Yeah, losing a guy like Kirk Barron is difficult, but it's again, it's not like we're talking about graduating a Travis Frederick in the context of not being Wisconsin and having a replacement. Like he wasn't an Outland finalist or something. They do still have McCann, um, and they do still have Herman. So have to, there's definitely a couple offensive line spots they're going to have to find a guy who hasn't played before. And remember, we but, said that the defense was going to drop off last year with all the seniors graduating, and it did, it did not. It, it did, but initially it, it did. But it, was it got nowhere better. near as bad as we thought. No, and given that they've now got an experience level comparable to what they did in Brahms' first year, as well as a higher level of talent coming in. Um, in particular, Marvin Grant, guy out of the Detroit area who Michigan State didn't really bother to pursue for an unknown reason. Um, he's a guy that could potentially at least play right away. And again, the redshirt rules are good for a guy in Brahms' position because 
when you've got talented young players who might not be ready for full time, now you can at least see them. So he's got it, really the world is going to be his oyster here. And so there's there's still four weird ass games on the schedule because yeah. of course after the first three you have that bizarre forty one ten loss at Minnesota, which I'm just now looking at. Oh boy. Look at what the hell Illinois did to their morale. They showed up 31,000 for that game? Holy shit! Wow. We really killed their spirit. Anyway, that's fun. Um, that, that real, it's weird because this just one of those things where, where suddenly the graph, as far as the percentile Purdue's playing at, just, just dips down to zero. And then it comes <laughs> right back up to normal. Yeah, he's just like, huh? Y'all, well, what y'all happened di- there? Y'all died for a week, but... You know, of course, season ended just getting fucking shellacked by Auburn, a team with far superior talent, especially on both sides of the but line. But to to a point where it was like this really shouldn't happen. You yeah, know? and I I mean, I appreciated Brahm's candid approach to it before and after the game. He was like, "Look, this this could be bad," and then yeah, it was. So you know, I I love he even kind of saw that coming. I mean, the things I love about Jeff Brom is that I know that coaching always comes with a certain amount of coach speak and bullshit, but Brom tries to at least not lie to you, right? Which is always appreciated. Which is very very refreshing. So um, look at to look at the schedule this year. They have the unusual road game to open the year at Nevada. I'm going to assume that's part of a scheduling decision. Probably made by the guy who's who ended up in the governor's mansion. Um, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. Well, Nevada is coached. Okay, it's Jane Norvell, but they had like they were coached by a Polian a few years back. I'll take your word for if it. I, so, I mean, no, because I remember Purdue played Nevada. Um, Northwestern played at Nevada not too long ago as well. So I don't know what this deal is with visiting Nevada that we're. Okay, 2016 Purdue uh, played Nevada like one by one ten, and yeah, they were. It was Brian Pullian's fourth season at the helm of Nevada. I couldn't tell you anything about Nevada football since Chris Alt left again. So that's probably a game that you've got to win if you're Purdue. I mean, even with it being on the road in another time zone, those are difficult. Don't get me wrong; I understand that. But your other two is in Arizona State. Yeah, it's not going to be 110 degrees. It's not going to make you start at 11 o'clock at night, hopefully. Uh, given the other two non-conference games, which are not gimmies, I mean, Vanderbilt is a team that Purdue should beat as well, but then you've also got TCU, which is a moving target. They've had a bunch of guys transfer. It, they always seem to end up kind of stable, but... Well, a few years ago, they were seen as a consensus top 10 team every year. Right. They've certainly fallen off from that Since, like, they were ranked very highly when they played Ohio State, what, the beginning of last year, or was that two years ago? And then the wheels kind of came off. I think it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. They gave Ohio State a fight through, like, the first half and most of the third quarter before the Buckeyes kind of Because it was in the wake of Trevon Boykin leaving, and they had Kenny Still, not Kenny Stills, um, um, Kenny, uh, Hill. Kenny Hill. Well, that was two years ago then. Yeah. So, point is, up until... They had Kenny Hill a couple years ago, so then they were still pretty good. So, last year they start out ranked, and it was last year that the wheels kind of fell off the program a bit. Yeah, and it doesn't really seem like they've completely stabilized. So, my, my point being, it's okay if you're a Purdue fan to start expecting the results. This really should be a 3-0 non-conference going into the bye, going into the home game. I don't know that I agree with should be. No, I think it should be. A 3-0, I but... I mean... I would say that Nevada is a game that you should win. 
Vanderbilt, I would put that at, at like a, a two to one, right? And then at least, I mean, TCU, I would I would say it's a coin flip. Sure, T- TCU has access to better talent than Purdue does. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're yeah, like you said. They, what happened to them last year can't be overlooked. It's there's no there's no credit. First of all, there's no um, previous iteration of that in uh, in Peterson's career. That's his name, right, Gary Peterson? No, Patterson. Patterson. Peterson. Peterson. Patterson. Peterson. Um, there's no previous instance in Patterson's career of them falling off so abruptly like that. I mean, they've had ups and it was and downs. also after that weird, unprecedented transition into a high-flying Big Twelve offense. Yeah, although I mean, they made that work for a minute. Yeah. Um, Until they didn't. Right. So, I still think TCU is a should win. I think they should be three and zero. Look it. The fact that there's that they've overachieved so far doesn't mean that it's unfair to reset expectations. Like you've seen what he's capable of. He's bringing in better talent. Win these three games. Start off three and zero. Um, have great confidence going in to the conference schedule, which is also pretty manageable. You've got crossovers at Penn State. Not easy. Not going to pretend it is. Um, obviously, you've got the Indiana crossover because that's the thing you're going to have every year. And then you've got Maryland at home. That's as easy of a cross of a, of a crossover schedule as you're going to get as a West team. You don't play Michigan, don't play Ohio State, don't play Michigan State. You're going to have to play one of those four powers because there's, I mean, the odds that it lines up where you get Maryland, Rutgers, Indiana is just it's unlikely. So this is as manageable of a crossover schedule as you're going to get. You do have to go to Iowa and to Wisconsin, so your divisional schedule is pretty tough. But again, with those two, with Nebraska, with Northwestern, some of these games are going to be on the road. That's just how it goes. Um, Who's scared of playing at Northwestern? Well, weird things happen when the stadium is half empty. You know, you get kind of sleepy, you don't care as much. Fair enough. Um, well, but they start out against Minnesota. Yeah. At home. So yeah. they got the opportunity to go 4 0 right here to start off, and then a tough game at Penn State. Yeah, and there, it's fair to say there's enough transition with Penn State that we don't know for sure they'll be good, but still have enough of a talent advantage over most of the teams they'll play that it's fair to expect Penn State to win most of their games. Well, and this is also a road game. Yeah, let's see. Um, I want to say that against a Tim Banks defense, uh, Purdue has done fairly well. They beat Illinois back in 2014 to drive the final nail into the coffin until it got undriven by Penn State later in the year. You keep saying final nail. I feel like there's been a lot of final nails in this coffin then. Yeah, I know. You know, if you think about it, you don't really need a whole lot of nails to hold coffins that together. That is true. Unless, you you're concerned, unless you're concerned about, like, grave robbing. What I'm concerned is that the like, decomposition will happen so fast that there will just be a big pressure difference between inside the coffin and outside, and then that will just burst all of the nails out. So that's you're, why you need more You're coffins. concerned... Are we still talking about Illinois football, or what are we yeah. talking about? Yeah, okay, 100%. okay, all right. Okay. So anyway, so. we're talking about Purdue. So, what do you think? <laughs> By the time you get to homecoming against Maryland, there's every reason to think, I think that they should, should be 4-1 and, one and yeah. knocking on the door, if not in the top 25. Yeah. Haven't beaten anybody necessarily. That's huge. But you've taken down some some bolt three bowl teams. Yeah, and I mean really, let's see here. Depending on where that loss is, one of them is on the road. Right. And depending on how Nebraska I think honestly their toughest home game could easily be Nebraska. 
depending yeah. on what, depending on how TCU oh, totally turns it around and, and what kind of progress Minnesota makes. If, Remember, I'm very high on Nebraska, though. I get that, but if Minnesota looks like the team they were the last few games, if they look like the team they were in the Axe game and the Bowl game... And against Purdue. Yeah, then, Minis- then Minnesota is going to be a much tougher... You know, again, it's a bit of a trope, obviously. We say this constantly, but... Boy, the Big Ten West is wide open. Absolutely anybody can win it. Except Illinois. Yeah. Um, that's gonna be, that's our that's the new motto of Off Tackle Empire, actually. So we got to get the logo changed. I wonder who we talked to about that. Oh, we have to talk to a mothership about that, don't we? So the good news is this will be changed in time for like the 2023 season, probably. The following is a feature presentation of the Big Ten West. Boy, it's wide open. Anyone could win the could win the division except Illinois. As like the logos. Flash by and rose So schedule predictions, like we said, um, most of the tougher games are on the road. So the good news is you're probably going to pile up enough wins that a bowl should be pretty easy. You should get that done if you sweep the non-conference or even just go two and one. I expect them to be in the division hunt. Yeah, I would think so too. Although, like you, like we've said, it's going to be crowded. You expect Nebraska to be very good. I think they will be too. I just don't know if it's going to show up in the record. We'll see. I mean, there's somebody's got to fall off, right? Of of those two, you've still got Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwest, Northwestern. They are like these are all teams that you could make a case for winning the division, being in the hunt. I mean, it's probably going to be a case for like an eight or nine win team wins the division because they're going to beat each other up. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a year. Where you got Wisconsin flirting with going twelve and zero, or Iowa being eleven and one or ten and one in the last week of the season. I don't think this is a year where that's going to happen. It feels a lot more balanced than that. Oh, see, I mean, I think it could be a year where where Illinois loses all of their non conference games. A bunch of really stupid shit happens, and they go to the Big Ten title game five and seven, the West Division champs, and then they go five and eight, and then don't make a bowl game. Boom. So I have Purdue, or they, and- or they reinstate the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl just for you. Oh boy, the Smirnoff Fight Sobriety Bowl. <laughs> Dude, I just want Brady Hope to coach in the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl against Mark Mangino. So that's mean. Purdue. <laughs> I am finishing eight and four with a six and three conference record because I think that they're gonna lose to TCU. I think TCU's just—I don't know. TCU is one of those programs that every time I think that they're going away, they don't. I can see eight and four, but I think it's going to be with a sweep of the non-con, and then they basically. I, I could. I actually could see it being that they sweep their home schedule and lose all their conference road games. They the road games are Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin. Yeah, I get that Northwestern's not that intimidating of a place to play, but they're still going to be one of the better teams Purdue gets. So this is going to sound dumb, but I have Nebraska winning the division only because somebody has to win it, but. I have them with two conference losses, so I'm saying that the division winner is going to have at least two conference losses. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see. The good news is whoever it is is going to get speared by Ohio State, so... Yeah, all that drama. Eat at Arby's. All that drama. Well, it's it's, it's basically what we're doing with this Big Ten West thing is, um, is, is we're setting up this mystery. Just who is this mysterious, uh, you know... God, what the hell is like a supreme leader Snoke? 
Uh, turns out he di- it didn't matter because Kylo Ren of Ohio State yeah. just <laughs> cut him in half with a lightsaber, and now we don't even care about his story. Until he gets retconned, I mean, that's always a possibility if the NCAA comes calling. He was Darth Plagueis the whole time. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle. Empire.